0: Welcome to the Foothills Wellness Retreat Podcast, where we discuss the next Foothills Wellness Retreat, interview presenters, and share with you wellness opportunities here in the Foothills community. I'm Dr. Jared McCollum, and our co-host is Lisa Moraz, the founder and director of the Foothills Wellness Retreat. Well, welcome everyone to the Foothills Wellness Retreat Podcast. I'm Dr. Jared McCollum, and today I'm joined by Amber Pavey, and she is a Reiki master, youth yoga, yin yoga instructor. Uh, she practices in the shamanic traditions, crystal healing, and a number of things. She's a practitioner, speaker, and writer, and she joins us today to share uh, some of her experiences with wellness. Welcome.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's great to chat with you. Yeah.
0: So now you've got quite the varied uh experience and background with many traditions what what got you started in a little
1: path to wellness yeah great question so initially for me it was yoga is what initiated it for me Um, back in 2008 when I was pregnant with my twin boys um, who arrived in May of 2009 and being I guess they called it they they considered it a high-risk pregnancy because when it's multiples You know, they really, they really like to keep an eye on you more so than, than singletons. And so, because I was expecting double trouble, they, I had, they really recommended that I stop my usual activities of, you know, high, high activity fitness classes. I was playing floor hockey at the time, um, some more like intense sports. Based activities and I couldn't do those activities anymore and so I had to find something that was serving my body but also I knew uh that I needed something to serve my mind because I had a toddler at home as well and we were going to have three under three and uh, oh my and I goodness just,
2: yeah <laughs>
1: yeah and I just knew instinctually that I needed some new tools in my toolbox uh, to help me prepare for these, these babies that were going to be arriving and life would be changing very quickly. So I found myself a prenatal yoga class actually in Okotok. Um, I was living in Calgary at the time and I would drive out to Okotok. Um, at the time it was Yoga Down. Oh, and yeah. they had a, yeah, they had a really great prenatal class there. And, um, that is really what, what initiated it all for me. And I stuck with yoga. I did some yoga and Pilates. Um, after the boys were born, because it was a really great way to kind of get my body, get back into my body, um, no longer a shared body, but back to back to me, and uh, and I just continued with a regular weekly practice. And then I found a great local yoga studio that resonated with me, um, Yoga.com in Calgary, mm-hmm. and I started attending regular yoga classes, not just you know not at the rec center, but you know at a at a yoga studio at a shala. And uh, I just always left feeling more like me. You know, the more I practiced, the more like me I felt. And it was this sort of unraveling or unpeeling that was happening. Uh, and I didn't even really know it at the time, um, but it was so beneficial. I started sharing yoga and mindfulness in my classroom. I was a school teacher and started sharing those those skills with my students and had such profound Success and impact in the classroom that I thought, okay, I, you know, I can't sit around and wait for the school board to, you know, introduce or fund or put some support uh, in terms of wellness because there was a lot of talk of wellness, but not a lot of action when it came to wellness. So I thought, well, I'm not going to just wait for a department to be founded. I could be retired by the time that happens. And I, I decided, really on a whim. Um, there was a series of things that had happened in my personal life, and I thought I'm stepping out. I'm stepping out of this safety net of a secure job with a great pension and good holidays and all the securities that come with, you know, teaching for a big school board. Um, and I'm going to start my own wellness organization serving students and and staff and and, and staff. And then, unfortunately, COVID. Uh, A year later, COVID hit, (laughs) and so my plans to work in schools supporting staff and students really came to a halt uh, for pretty much two years. Completely, Uh, I wasn't able to even step foot in my own children's school as a volunteer, let alone working as an outside provider. So the universe kind of demanded that I pivot yet again, and um, and in that time, I did a lot of you know deep diving and. Soul searching and additional training and things like that I've always been a very curious soul and um, I just kind of let my my soul lead me you know what's next and and so that's really where everything started was with my twin boys and then yoga and it, it just continued from then um, and they'll be 14 this May so it's it's been a, a bit of a it feels short but it also feels long if that makes sense Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah
0: so now uh so so at one point you left teaching to focus Mm -hmm. on kind of sharing yoga and were you you sharing reiki at the same time to students in schools because i noticed you also teach kind of reiki to kids
1: I do. Yeah. So really helping children um, was the reason I left teaching. It seems counterproductive, you know, to leave a place where children are present to help mm-hmm. children. But I just found that in schools, there wasn't a lot of, you know, I'm trained as a, as a certified school teacher to teach reading, writing, arithmetic. And those are wonderful life skills but it was really my calling feeling like there are additional life skills that I myself didn't have, you know, as a, as a teacher and as a mom and as a human, I didn't have these other tools. And when I learned them and benefited from them in my own personal life, I thought, why are we not sharing these practices with children? Why is this not part of the curriculum? Why is this not part of, you know, our everyday lives? And, um, so, Reiki kind of has been a bit of a full circle experience for me. I had a very close friend, um, actually, the boys were in kindergarten, and um, she introduced me to Reiki. She was a Reiki master and had, you know, shared some of the practice with me and, and really talked me into trying it. And I went for a session, and for about three weeks after that session, I couldn't believe how incredible I felt. It was as if this. Weight had been lifted off of me. Um, again, I felt more like myself, like there'd been this unraveling or unhealing. Uh, life just felt more colorful, more vibrant. Everything felt more alive. And the more training I did or the more modalities I experienced, I wanted to learn them from myself so that I could then teach them to children or share them with children. Um, and that's been really my underlying motive this whole time is learning these skills for myself because of course they benefit me but they also benefit my children you know they've learned so much from me learning these these tools and skills and then being able to share those with the community the children in the community that are open to these sorts of trainings or modalities or experiences because they're just unfortunately they're just not as common, um, as they could be. They're, they're not as mainstream
0: as they could be. Yeah. It's interesting. I heard someone comment the other day saying, you know, kind of flippantly talking about how, Oh, all these things we learned in school, but, you know, none of those things really helped me. We should have learned how to do our taxes and, you know, all these everyday things. And I'm like, no, that shouldn't be our focus in society. (laughs) You know, our, We should be teaching kids yeah. mindfulness and movement and, oh, really? you know, how to, how to learn and yeah. how to solve problems and stuff like that. You know, not, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, again, I, I remember, remember when we were kids, you know, That's the true. teacher would always say, well, you can't use your calculator for this because you're not always going to have a calculator wherever you go.
3: So, and it's like, <laughs> now I have a
0: calculator. I have a whole set of encyclopedia from every country on the planet. I've got, yeah. um, you know, absolutely anything you can think of that will provide yeah. you for some sort of answer. We have now. Okay. And, yeah. you know, now we've even got, uh, you know, chat AI bots that can write your essay. I know. Like we need, yeah. we're at a point now where it's like, okay, you know, regurgitating information just to be, you know, good factory workers or office workers right. isn't our future. We need to re, you know, k- review our education system. And again, you know, it's being done in other places, places like, yeah, you know, Sweden and Norway where they don't test and yeah. kids, you know, do group solution projects and spend way more time outside. It's, you know what is it going to take to get, uh, you know Canada to kind of make that shift? Where do you see education going in the next ten years?
1: Well, where I see it going and where I'd like it to go, unfortunately, I think are two different things, <laughs> <laughs> um, which is is just I think an unfortunate reality. Um, 10 years in the span of education is a very small amount of time because things don't change very quickly. And there is a real scarcity mindset, unfortunately, within the education system, whether it's through funding or resources or time or, you know, like, I I lived and breathed uh, within that system for a number of years. And so, you know, I've, I've experienced that scarcity energy um, and that lack energy, and it's alive and well within the school system. And I think, unfortunately, now, speaking to so many of my colleagues who are still within the system, uh, they're really hanging by a thread, literally. Like, they're in survival mode now more than ever. And, unfortunately, just in my own experience of knowing how change happens, it's often crisis, right? We almost, unfortunately, you know, this experience on earth is one of great duality and it it really takes massive crisis or, you know, catastrophe in order to initiate great change. Mm. And that's just an unfortunate reality, I think, um, as part of the human experience. And so I really don't see it changing in the way we would like it to change until there is enough crisis or Mm -hmm. catastrophe and that's not good news you know it's not it's not all sunshine and roses but I think it's just the reality because so many of my colleagues and so many of of the individuals within the system their nervous systems are in freeze mode like we're literally frozen you know there's no movement forward there's no movement backwards there's there's this energy of lack and scarcity um which sounds very negative and i don't mean to sound negative but i i i just i'm just expressing the sense of of energy that i get um from speaking with colleagues that are still in the system and what i see in schools when i when i attend them and it it in some ways gone backwards I think and there's a real fear of anything new or anything different or anything that might require too much change too fast too soon so as much as I would love to you know be in there every single day and teaching children mindfulness and meditation and yoga and Reiki and all these incredible tools that we have access to and we can share them easily uh, I just don't know if there's a readiness there yet um, that that there that is required and so it might take charter schools or private schools or specialized home schools you know to sort of initiate these changes and and the other thing that I see some of the trends in education that I've noticed is parents have a lot more um, I don't even use the word power, but they have a lot more vision or energy or input um, that they maybe don't realize. I feel like there's this this dormant energy within parents that they, they they don't realize that once they initiate or catalyze that energy, they can make great change within the system because really – Ultimately, the system is accountable to the parents, right? Mm-hmm. We are the shareholders. We're the taxpayers. We're the community stakeholders. Well, and when so- when we
0: were growing up, the idea was, you know, there was, it was the kind of the parents' expectation to take a step back, to trust the system right. and just let them do their job yeah. and, you know, to, you know, we got it under control You know, it was more, uh, you know, and now it's almost the other way around where, Mm -hmm. you know, some parents are just getting a little too involved uh, with their kids' grades and everything and have lack of trust, but it seems like the blame is on the teacher rather than on the system. That's right. And, and, And that's where we're failing our teachers and... You know, I read yesterday that in Missouri, they're so short on teachers, they've burned out so many teachers and they pay them so poorly that they've had to go down to a four-day school week and they've burned out their bus drivers and pay them so poorly that they've suspended transportation uh, to just a certain few days of the week. So now kids are only getting into school a couple of days a week if they're bused and... You know, those that can get to school aren't even in there. And I don't know if this is, and this is like the conspiracy in me that are we trying to destroy public education so we can, so those that want charter and private to get the money funded that way? I don't know. But what I do know is that, you know, if we're not careful, we're going to follow that pattern of what's happening south of the border. But we're seeing this, you know, What's happening with nurses now mm-hmm. is gonna is where we're going to be with teaching in three or four years if we're not careful.
1: Oh, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I mean, I've recently, in the last few months, heard from a number of teachers, and these are young teachers, like teachers that are relatively new to the profession. And, and that went into
0: it for the right reasons.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Love children you know, best intentions, really want to bring about wholesome change. Um, and and these, are, these are educators that also have training in mindfulness and yoga as well. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, they, they themselves have a vision and a passion for these sorts of things. And, and, you know, they're very keen and very green. And then they get their first probationary contract or their first temporary contract. And within, I spoke to a gal not long ago, it was a matter of weeks. She was in this role within a few weeks and she ended up having to step back and go on leave um, because she was having panic attacks every morning before going into work. Just the thought of having to step into this classroom, step into this role, this very, very chaotic space with very un, you know, unsupportive administration. And that's a whole other story because the administrators are burnt out too. I mean, yeah. they they only have so much capacity as well and so these young green and keen educators that are brand new to the profession they're not sticking around even you know they mm-hmm. they're saying oh like and and we pay our teachers quite well in this province you know i mean great benefits good pay so it's it's not it's not always just a matter of, of paying them well um i think it's the circumstances it's the, there's so many variables that are at play and so I do have concerns as well that you know there's just not going to be enough teachers left in the system mm-hmm. um, because they are being burnt out so so quickly and they're they're fried too you know their well being is not being addressed and that um, and we know you know just from what we understand about the nervous system that when our nervous systems are fried and dysregulated and overwhelmed and overburdened, we can't be fully present for the other people in our lives. So, you know, we can't be present for our children. We can't be present for our students. We're just really surviving. And, um, and what we know about Maslow's hierarchy, you know, higher education or critical thought or inquiry can't occur when your body is in survival mode. It just can't, you know, you can't reach those higher, levels of thinking so it's really it's, it's very unfortunate but I also all of that being said I feel very hopeful about the future and more and more parents are you know curious mm-hmm. and they're sort of taking the initiative themselves to find resources and programs and courses for their children and um, I, I really think that will be the game changer in terms of education, it will be the parents sort of driving the bus, so to yeah. so to speak, and the parents saying, "This is what we want for our children," you know, mm-hmm. and and at some point, the school board and Alberta Education and all the powers that be, um, because the responsible stakeholders are going to have to say yes, you know, we will fund these programs or resources because you know, your voices get heard, but we need enough of those voices in order to make an impact.
3: Yeah.
0: And I agree with you that humanity only makes big changes in, t- in times of crisis. Yeah. And, you know, we always need everything to have to fall apart at once for us to make big change. And, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> fortunately and unfortunately, mother nature is providing that for us at a Absolutely. global scale. Um, but <laughs> one thing that we need to do, though, is that when that crisis comes, there needs to be a ready solution. You know, There needs to be those of us, those parents and so on that have been saying, this is what we want, this is what we want. So when that time comes and they're finally ready to break, then they're like, here's our plan, adopt it. So how, right. how can, you know if you could lay out a roadmap, how can parents, how can teachers, what are the steps that we can do? to lay that groundwork to get, you know, wellness and and proper learning back in. Well, again, we started with a system that was designed to raise, uh, quiet, uh, factory workers that, you know, switched on the bell, you know, (laughs) it's like, Oh, the bell rang. Now we do this thing. And, you know, we don't really have a system for learning. We have a system for creating workers and, Mm -hmm. you know, memorization And We need to create a, you know, a new system where we can teach children how to learn of themselves and their bodies and, you know, care for themselves and our communities and as well as, you know, become problem solvers. So do you have any suggestions like a roadmap that, because it sounds like you're, you know, you're laying that work outside of of school, you know, any suggestions for us? Yeah.
1: And ultimately, I mean, it's sort of unfortunate. Um, that I had to leave the system in order to do this work, but it I just didn't see it possible while I was within the system. I just didn't see it you know unfolding in the timeline that that I thought it should or that it, it that I was capable of, of supporting well, and, and,
0: and like you said, it was an unhealthy place to be so you don't have the energy yeah. to do that when you're in it. and if That's you started right. doing those things without the permission, then you get fired anyway.
1: That's right. Exactly. And lots and lots of my colleagues are still in that, that dance. uh, Well, what I would like to do isn't what I can do, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Somebody's going to be offended. I'm going to get an email. Like, you know, there's all sorts of reasons why we play it safe. And, and, and education is, is not the only industry um, or the only profession where that occurs you know that yeah. occurs in many many different industries mm-hmm.
2: um,
1: but you know as a as an educator but also as a parent I would say you know getting getting involved and in becoming active in even just parent council the school's parent council is one of the best ways to start to make change because many schools have a parent council and if you're a parent and you have a child that goes to school you are automatically a member of that parent council you don't need to be voted in you don't need to ask permission you just literally need to go to the meetings and there's usually a handful of very very organized on top of it parents that look after the things like you know the treasurer the secretary the meetings the minutes you know all those sorts of things the nitty-gritty of it but what they really need is fresh energy fresh ideas and fresh input and so more and more families that show up to those meetings and start to ask questions or start to engage curiously in some brainstorming about, you know, what sorts of programs they can bring into schools and what sorts of things can be done. You know, the principals hear the voices of those parents and they are obligated um, and usually very keen. The principals are usually very, very keen to say, oh, okay, parents are keen on this. They're interested in this. Great. We can We can go this direction, but without that voice, without that choice, without that sort of influx of energy, um, it's sort of status quo. Nothing really changes. And so I think parents have way more power um, and ability to change the system from within than they realize. And I think that's where it starts. And I, I know even within Calgary, they have schools. Different with different focuses, curricular focuses, so mm-hmm. the art schools or science schools. Yeah. Or, and the sports you know, schools. schools. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Offering all these different choices. Montessori, for example, I taught in a Montessori school for a number of years. Uh, and it was a beautiful place for learning. Oh, my gosh. Like if I had known about that school when I was registering my own children, they would have gone there. I mean, it's such a beautiful place for learning for children. And so and, there and are it, and it
0: doesn't really choices. cost that much more, does it?
1: No. No, no. There was no price difference at all. None whatsoever. Um, other than busing. Like maybe if you lived out of community communities of classing, you had to pay for your busing. But, you know, the the fees were not extraordinarily expensive. There was no extra tuition or, you know, things like that. Um but really some amazing, amazing places of unique learning settings going on. And What's sort of unfortunate now is because of the scarcity mindset and the lack of energy that's occurring within these these systems, is they're saying, well, we can't afford to fund all these different programs now, so we need to meet we need to streamline everything. Everybody has to go back to the basics, mm-hmm. you know. No more of these specialized programs, and so parents really need to get involved and say, as advocates for their children, but also culturally, you know, and and for the the system at large to say no this is what we want and this is why right and to to ask for transparency and ask for accountability and be involved but one of the worst things that we can do is kind of just wash our hands of it and you know hand our babies over (laughs) and say we hope you do a good job with them right Mm -hmm. um and we hope that you give them what they what they need and so as exhausted and overwhelmed as parents are, especially after the last few years that we've all experienced, I think now is a really great time to infuse some fresh energy and fresh ideas into the schools and really just start start there, grassroots, right? You yeah. know, in, in one school at a time. And then that that sort of creates this domino effect that, that it, it, ends up exactly. occurring. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and then so if I you really look- think that's... Go ahead, yeah. What brings about change, yeah. Yeah.
0: You know, if we look back in the history of Canada and when some of the things we love the most were adopted, healthcare, universal healthcare, things like that, it started in one place, did it? Yeah. They showed it work and everyone loved it, and then they were like, oh, why aren't we doing that? It was never this, we got to take all the time to create the perfect system, and then everyone adopts it at once. You know, we have to push... And someone's got to be a renegade and just say, no, nope, we're going to do this. And and then when it's shown it works, then, you know, adoption after that happens. And, Absolutely. you know, the, there's things that I've said for years now that I think, you know, could make a huge difference and wouldn't cost anything. And the first is get rid of testing. COVID has yeah. shown us testing is not necessary That's because true. we had all these kids that didn't write their finals and they still went yeah. off to university and they were fine. You know, right. Our curriculums are set up for testing. They're not set up for learning. So get rid of testing. That doesn't cost us anything. It saves That's us right. money. And then, the, yeah. and then the second thing I think we should do is we need to cut the school day into a third.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And shorten, yeah, like shorten the times we're in school. Kids are burnt out. Yeah. Teachers are prepping too much. They're already being paid, you know, you know, they're doing time outside of school. They're not getting paid for. So, so let's cut a third of school down. So they're actually properly being compensated for the work they're doing because a third of their workday is outside of school. Yeah. And so if we do that, then all of a sudden teachers are getting paid what they deserve. Kids aren't getting burnout in school and don't need all this time to kind of like I have, I have two sons with autism. And every day when they would get home from school, they would need an hour or two just to decompress.
3: Absolutely,
0: Like it was so hard on them. And especially now we've got, you know, all these parents that are trying to live their their dreams through their kids. And, you know, they're dancing for 10 hours a week or hockey Mm -hmm. for 12 or 15 hours a week or whatever. Like (laughs) we're not letting kids be kids anymore. I agree. And, you know, we just need we need more play. Less time and no testing. And none of that will cost us anything. That's right. And then we can start adding in those, you know, mindfulness things and things like that, that'll, then everyone will have the energy for it.
1: That's right. That's right. I agree. We have to trim the fat, so to speak, and get really clear about our priorities. Like, what do we really need? And what is truly what is really truly serving our kids and our, and our educators, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I really don't understand how a 40-minute lunch is serving educators and students. You have 20 minutes to eat, 20 yeah. minutes to play. That's not enough. And it's definitely mm-hmm. not enough time for the educators to, you know, recollect themselves. Yeah. or Especially the when they have to do supervision at their- lunchtime. That's right. That's right. You know, when I went to school, it was far more traditional. You know, your, your teacher had a full hour lunch, you had a full hour lunch as a kid, I could walk home, no mm-hmm. problem, lots of time, yep. never felt rushed, I could have a warm bowl of soup for lunch with my Nana, you know, it was never one of these rushed sort of demanding quick 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 right and that's really what we've what we've come to and and our educators too i look back at my report cards from when i was little and they were like a little two three page handwritten you know report cards reading writing and arithmetic with some nice comments and and now our educators are inundated with so much paperwork and so much assessment and so much planning that they're I just don't know if you can really do anything well when when it's it's just this pile on effect that's occurring, and um, I really think we need to sit down and have a really good look at yeah. what is vital. Like we need to just trim the excess. And get back to you know basics like real basics mm-hmm. and and start there start grassroots start al- almost like a refresh a complete yeah. refresh.
0: I, if, um, if if we were to pick one word to describe our system currently, I would say it's competition.
1: Oh, that's a great
0: word. Because yeah. everything in our society is centered around competition. Yeah. our, you know. Our economy is about growth and winning and competition. Our sports, our education system is about testing and winning and getting the highest scores to get into the best schools. Blah, blah, blah. It's all about comparing yourself to others and winning. Yeah. And we need to change that from the main word being competition to wellness.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. True cooperation, right? We can Mm -hmm. all be well. We can all be well together and we can all... Thrive together, yeah. but you're you're absolutely right. I agree with all this comparison. And I have, you know, my boys are fourteen coming up on fourteen here, and you know they're very aware of competition and comparison within their lives and within culture. And we have regular conversations all the time, almost daily, <laughs> about how much value does it really bring your life when you're constantly comparing yourself to others yeah. or you're constantly competing even with your sibling, like does that really bring you value to your mm-hmm. life does it really enhance your own well-being or the well-being of of those around you and uh it, 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 you're right it's, it's woven into everything about our lives yeah. uh, comparison and competition yeah. and i've never been a competitive person and so it just has never really resonated with me and yeah. um i i agree i see it and definitely becoming more invasive i would
0: say you know and if we look at what's happening in those countries where you know competition in the education system was the highest point so china Mm -hmm. japan you know you look now at the the generation that has just kind of left uh university and are out in the working field in china Mm -hmm. the term is called laying flat that's the english translation Wow. And so what they've done is they've worked their asses off all through school and university to get these great grades and everything. And then they got out in the real world and they can't afford a home. They yeah. can't afford a car. They can't all these things. They were promised that if you work hard for, you're going to get, they can't afford any of it. There's right. uh, you know, especially for the young men, there's no women, their age, yeah. Because they were all a part of the one child policy. Yeah. And so they get out here in the real world and they're like everything you promised me it's not real and it's not worth fighting for anymore. And so the I, I can't remember the Chinese term but this idea of laying flat and so they're just like they just do the bare minimum now. Yeah. And a lot of them ha- are feeling much more peace doing that. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. they're like I don't have to, and and we're seeing that with the generation now they're like, yeah. I'll never own a house here in Canada. You know, when the average house is like $900,000 and, you know, student loans and everything they're, they're questioning, you know, education is one of the biggest gambles ever. Yeah. And so do I do it? Do I just, you know, if I'm going to be stressed out anyway and I'm, I'm never going to be able to, you know, have that life that we are told is the happy life. Mm-hmm. Then I'll just go get a job that's an everyday job, and you know, I'm I'm yeah. not going to add that stress. They're they're not buying into the into the uh, American yeah. dream anymore. Yeah.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, which is great in on some you know levels yeah. for sure because that's how we change things, right? Yep. Is when we start to see the illusions, and um, that's what causes. the the breakdown and and then things break down so we can rebuild and create something new um and until that happens yeah it's just kind of status quo and and nothing really changes so yeah it is exciting i mean it's just sort of messy and uneasy time Mm -hmm. for lots of our children you know my my children included i'm thinking geez, what is life going to be like for you in 10 years you know and What's going to be available for you and how, you know, we have candid conversations about it all the time. Um, but, and I know for myself personally, when I realized that that formula, that recipe that I was sold, you know, years ago, mm. well, you do this and you do this and you do this, you know, that five year planner, 10 year planner, whatever, everything will work out for you and life will be, life will be perfect. Well, it's the biggest illusion out there there is no recipe there is no formula you know it's the biggest crock and if we can help our kids recognize that from a young age that they are the actual recipe makers you know they're their own creators right and and they they
0: they are an interesting generation aren't they especially the ones you know yeah like 20 and under they're at this point where they they're they're far more educated on the world than we are because they have access to so much more They're not as, um, coddled and, you know, uh, brainwashed like we were and they are, uh, you know, I don't, I think, you know, we were so much a mirror of our parents when we were younger Mm -hmm. because we were Mm -hmm. so enclosed in that system and society where these kids are open to everything and they're far more independent. They are far more. Kind and considerate, and kind of connected than ever before. Everyone wants to say they're, a, you know, they're a selfish generation. All they want to be is TikTok stars, but I don't believe that.
1: No, I don't believe it either.
0: And because the I kids I meet, they're sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what's your experience with working with kids? You're teaching them Reiki, teaching them yoga. What What are you noticing about this generation?
1: Oh my God, they're wide awake. <laughs> they are wide awake, and I heard this. Not long ago, it was actually from a gentleman in Okotoks, um, Luke, who owns Big Rock Crystals and Fossils yeah. on Elizabeth Street. And we were chatting, a friend of mine who's a crystal healer. We were in there looking at some beautiful product, and we were chatting with Luke, and he said, um, and I thought it was so profound. He said, "Kids nowadays are energy ready, whereas when we came in." We had to learn energy. And I was like, oh my gosh, absolutely. Couldn't be more mm-hmm. true. I didn't understand energy until I was, you know, in my 30s, is really when that language began to mm-hmm. come online for me. And I had to attune myself to it. Like it was, it required work and effort and a lot of unlearning. Whereas uh, what I'm seeing with kids nowadays is even the language that they speak, they speak an energetic language already. They're already attuned to it. All it needs is a bit of activation is what I see with kids. Because when they come to my yoga classes and my mindfulness classes or Reiki or even my camps and programs and things that I offer, they're already um, feeling and working within the energetic field whether they're aware of it or not. And most of the time, it just takes a little bit of, you know, affirming that they're already doing it. Like yeah. it's this easy for them. You know, it's literally as easy as breathing yeah. for for many of them. And so, all it really requires is a facilitator, you know, a trained a trained facilitator who can hold space for kids and enjoys working with kids because mm-hmm. they're, you know, energetic and and some some folks don't necessarily enjoy the chaos that, that children can yes. bring. Yeah. Um, but more often than not, it's a very, it's a very easeful experience. I've learned in my work with kids over the years that just um, give up planning. I don't plan really yeah. much at all anymore. It's a very organic, free flow, generative experience that, you know, when I was a, trained as a teacher, it was like you had your lesson plans, and you, you know, you had literally your whole day planned out by every fifteen minutes. It was mm-hmm. that, you know. And now, when when I work with kids, I have sort of an overall theme or plan,
3: mm-hmm. and
1: then we just see where it goes. And yeah. they, I'm just here to kind of make sure that everybody is safe, <laughs> mm-hmm. and you know, there's a level of accountability and responsibility. But they are so incredible and they have such amazing ideas and when they're given the opportunity to just be these free little beings that they are and be themselves and be creative and you know all this it, it's really remarkable um to see what happens and i i really don't i know a lot of people are like oh my gosh you know we're doomed in the future if these are going to be our future leaders and i feel the opposite yeah. i really think that the children here now they're our way showers they're the game changers you know they are future entrepreneurs and they they have it way more figured out than we do on many levels <laughs> and i'm just sort of here leading the way i was showing them that You know, this path is possible because this path was not possible for me when I was a child. Yeah. And so really my goal is just to say, hey, there's this other path you could take because that recipe that you're being sold, you know, it might not work out for you.
2: Mm
1: So that's really I'm just a facilitator. I don't see myself as a teacher anymore. I just hold space for kids to be themselves because they really don't need much from (laughs) us anymore
0: <laughs> Well previously we when we were younger the idea of energy and spirituality was something that we could only access through uh, a bishop, a preacher, a yeah pastor or something and that we were you know we had this view of we're bad when we're right. born and we need to do whatever we're told by the you know the bearded guy in the sky, and if we do it right, then we're going to find happiness and everything's going to work out. And, yes. and, we, and we grew up and we're like, ah, yeah, that wasn't right. It didn't work for me. And right. so now we've, this next generation of these kids are growing up and they weren't kind of force fed it in the same ways we were. That's and I right. do think they're open and they see it everywhere rather than where we were told it was just in one building. That's you know, right. Now they're seeing it everywhere, and yep. they're they're finding that connection in all things. And you know, I'm yeah. I'm excited to see where that goes. Yeah.
1: yeah, me too. Me too. It is really exciting. I feel like the children in this this generation they have a lot less unlearning to do than we did.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, I had mm-hmm. a lot of
1: unlearning that needed to happen. Yes. Whereas they're not going to have those sorts, of same sorts of limitations and blockages. Yeah. that, many of us experience in our generation you know it's not going to be as cumbersome um, for them to quote unquote do the work right there's yeah. just just there's not as many roadblocks um, which i think is fabulous you know it just makes it that much more available mm-hmm. to them and the folks the parents that are open-minded and curious enough they're very supportive like oh you're you're interested in learning more about rocks and crystals. Great. Sure. You know, we can buy some for you or, yeah. Oh, you want to take this class? You know, there's, there's an openness now, um, that I think people have, especially when it comes to their children that, that didn't exist when we were growing up, you mm-hmm. know, it just, it wasn't there. It wasn't available. Yeah.
0: So this February, you're joining us at the foothills wellness retreat. And mm-hmm. what, what do you have prepared for us?
1: So I actually have a bit of a shamanic journey too. Well, there's really two journeys that I'm going to be introducing at the retreat. And I know in our conversation, we've talked a lot about kids and they're definitely my passion, you know, serving and supporting children and teens are a big, big part of my work, but. Um, in my mindfulness training that I completed a few years back, uh, it really led me to into a bit of a deep dive into shamanic healing for my own personal, in my own personal work, in my own personal journey. Mm-hmm. And once I dove into that work, there was no there was no going back. Just like with any of this, you know, mm-hmm. there's no going back. Yeah. Once you take off the blindfold, you can't put it back on, right? Um, and I really found that. Shamanic journeying and meditation and mindfulness and, and even aspects of yoga, they all sort of share this gold thread, this energy mm-hmm. that weaves between all of them. And journeying is a really accessible way um, to practice meditation. And it's also very healing. It's very transform transformative. It's very... Um, awakening in a lot of ways and so that's what I'm going to be sharing with the community uh, at the retreat in February is a couple journeys there's there's an introduction introductory journey we'll be talking about journeying and what that means and comparing it to meditation and how to journey and all the nuts and bolts of it and then I'll be guiding folks through what I call a north star journey um, really coming to that north star within ourselves that that catalyst that we were born with, you know, that mm-hmm. knowing, that deep knowing, um, that purpose that exists within us. That maybe, you know, there's been some roadblocks and limitations and hindrances along the way. And so, what what can we do to reconnect with that true north star yeah. that exists within all of us?
0: Uh, see, I see, I, I've in the last year or so, I've, I've read on shamanism for decades, um, mm-hmm. but over the last year, I've really started you know, focusing on a lot. Um And of course I've had some pretty interesting uh, assisted journeys mm-hmm. over the years with plants. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I've, and I've kind of dug deep with that and done some really, um you know, high dose stuff and other things. But what I find fascinating about shamanism and, you know, we're, we're, I think, uh, you know, especially those that have, you know, trained and practiced shamanism over the last 10 years, it's kind of meeting up on two things. You know, it's those that are like, they've co-opted these shamanistic practices from other cultures and our whole, uh, you know, modern sensibilities of, hey, that's culture appropriation. Right. It, it's all kind of meeting at once, right? And I was talking Absolutely. to a, a friend the other day who did a whole shamanic course and now they've had to rename it, change all the um, terminology and everything. And I was thinking about it the other day while I was meditating on it. And I'm like, why do we keep looking back when it comes to our spirituality? We're always saying, okay, what has been done before? What's that? But what's the common thread in all of it? Like you said, there's this golden thread and the thread is that, Mm -hmm. You don't need someone to um, – no one takes you on this journey. You have to do it yourself. Absolutely. And and the foundation is, you know, here's the steps. Now go do it. And yes. whatever comes back, you know, that's your story. That's your understanding. And I think instead of trying to kind of co-opt and, and trying to find the oldest shamanic tradition to follow or, or whatever – It's about taking those foundational steps and those, because if you look back, because like every culture has shamanic traditions.
1: Every culture, every single one. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And, you know, from my perspective as a doctor of Chinese medicine, it goes all the way back to the Taoist mystics. So this is like the root of like the Tao Yin, like the Qigong dances around the fire and, you know, going through the, the trancing dance, you know, you can do shamanism with drugs. You can do it without, you don't need yeah. the drugs to have a shamanic journey. And yeah. when you go through this process, you know, I was thinking, why aren't we doing this with, you know, instead of trying to understand it from their interpretation of the world at that time, you know, we need to go to this journeying with our understanding and our focus of how we see the universe now. That's right. You know, uh, the universe isn't on a turtle's back. That's that's right. You know, if, if we can look at how we see the universe and, and you know, what we know about expansion and uh, you know, the quantum realm and all these things, it opens up our brain to maybe receive a higher level of journeying and story through that experience than the limited ones from the past. And yeah, you know, so I I look at it. This is a very exciting time in the history of shamanism, and now it's like, you know, not everyone's gonna, you know, uh, be the one to lead others through this. But everyone can have a shamanic journey, can't they?
1: Absolutely. If, if you're a human having a human experience on this planet, you can have a shamanic experience, and you can have a you can experience a shamanic journey with or without the assistance of plant medicine, mm-hmm. easily, a- absolutely. That you you are actually hardwired. <laughs> your brain and your nervous system is already hardwired, pre-wired to have this experience. Yeah. And you just need somebody to activate it for you
3: and mm-hmm. lead you.
1: You just, you just need a guide. You just need somebody to say, hey, let me hold your hand. Let's go on this journey together. Let's go on a little walk together. That's really all it is. Yeah.
0: And then from yeah. there, it's what that experience teaches you, your interpretation, your understanding, and you take that with you, you know, mm-hmm. rather than having this, oh, well, this is what I experienced, so this is what the universe is.
3: No. Right. You know, no. it's,
0: it's, and I, I've said this in, you know, countless trainings and talks for years. There's not one world, you know, no. there's 8 billion
1: absolutely you know
0: well,
3: and, and science, each person yeah
0: you know experiences the world in a completely different way than everyone else and so we need to have our own spirituality our own understanding yes there's core foundational values in everything but when we open it up and say that you know um your your experience your spirituality is your thing Yes, we all agree to be nice to each other. (laughs) Yeah. But I'm not going to say your religion's wrong, your spirituality is wrong, your interpretation of your shamanic journey is wrong. You know, we need to get away from that competition.
1: Yeah. And this idea that there's a right or wrong way to practice anything, whether it be yoga or meditation or mindfulness or journeying or dance or it doesn't really matter this notion of in order to reach, you know, quote unquote enlightenment or an awakening, this is the recipe. It's the same old story from the old systems Mm -hmm. of follow this recipe, (laughs) right? And you will be granted all these blessings, right? Or you will be rewarded. We get, because of, we're rooted in this energy of, okay, if I do what I'm told and I follow this recipe or I follow this path, I will be granted X, Y, Z. And for me, when I see a teacher, whatever it is that they're teaching, you know, whether it's something mainstream or something spiritual, if they're teaching in this very rigorous way in which says you need to follow this recipe or you need to do X, Y, Z, and it needs to look like this or else you're not going to reach enlightenment or awakening or yes. whatever, the, whatever show your whatever work selling. yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly show your work right like yeah. you're doing a math algorithm exactly Yes, it's just more of the same yeah. it's just more of the same yeah. and my shamanic teacher um, often refers to an awakening as an initiation and that every spiritually mature human on earth is meant to go through a very personal initiation and that it's different for every single individual, right? Mm-hmm. That there is no recipe, really, um, one size fits all, you know, yeah. in order for you to reach spiritual maturity um, and responsibility. And in contemporary culture, we don't support these sorts of practices or no. these sorts of initi- initiatory Um, ritual or ceremony or even communities for that matter so we have a whole host of adults who are mature by age and development but you know emotionally physically emotionally and spiritually um, they're still maybe you know 6 or 8 or 12 years old walking around if they're in these positions of power and authority over others And and
0: that's why cultures go through the journey at that point that's because right. the the result of journeying, you know, however you get there, it doesn't matter. We're looking right. for a result. And the result from any journeying or shamanic experience is always the same thing. And that's, we are all connected. That's right. And that we're all one. And that this universe is all one big living organism. And you're just a small expression of it. You are not alone. Yeah. You know, your consciousness is not separate. It may be yeah. for this time. But eventually, we will all reconnect as a conscious. You know, like all of these things. Th- this is this is what we're experiencing. And when you have that experience, there is an awakening, isn't it? Like you, you see others in different ways. And we Absolutely. we need to practice it regularly to reconnect with that. You know, like yeah. I studied Zen and Buddhism for decades, and mm-hmm. the thing that keeps coming out of that is enlightenment is a temporary, short experience. It is not like I'm enlightened. I'm enlightened for the rest of my life. No, it comes and it goes and you, that's it's this constant experience to like, Oh yeah. Yes. 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 I remember that feeling of connected with it. Okay. And, and when you feel that the world changes around you and yeah. if you can't get back into that enough, then you start buying into, you know, the, uh the lie that's out there. Absolutely.
1: And, you know, I hate to use mainstream media or mainstream anything as an example, but yeah. this pulsing energy that exists within everything that's around us at all times by the movie Avatar is recently up the second one, but in the first one with the tree awa yeah this pulsing energy this frequency that exists when you tap into it, whether it's through a grounding practice or meditation or it doesn't matter what you do it's these moments of consciousness, this moments of awakening of enlightenment, right? Where you're, you are connected. You are yeah. with, you are with one, right? That energy is palpable. You can actually feel it coursing, mm-hmm. and coursing through your body. And that's exactly what shamanic journeying or any of these other modalities, really their whole purpose is, is to help you awaken your senses to realize, Oh yeah, I am connected to everything. I am everything, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I am, I am you, and you are me. Right? Like we are not separate, and this this illusion of separation that we've all been sold um, has been a really, really dangerous one. And so, for me, whatever tool it is—whether it's Shema's journey, or meditation, or yoga, or Reiki, or whatever, whatever it happens to be—you know, Zen Buddhism, whatever it is—gets you back to connection with Source, connection to to that that tree right to that root of energy that exists around us at all times that's the fundamental point yeah. of it all that's the root of consciousness right it's yeah. just helping us connect reconnect reactivate with this consciousness that is available at all times but it's fleeting because we're humans having a human experience yeah. in human bodies and there's human things that we need to do, like pay bills and, you know, make dinner. And, but that, but know, that's, that's, things.
0: that's the thing we've created a society around the concept of the individual. Yes. Yeah. And unfortunately what we've seen in, especially in the self-help world for the last, what, 70 years and everything's been centered around the concept of it's, you know, you, yeah. you know, make yourself better. And if you make yourself better, your whole world's going to be better. And it's all about you and all this stuff. And so we're reading all the self-help books and we're doing all these things. And, you know, it only helps us to a point. We have to realize that it's, it's not about just us. It's like we need to connect and help everyone. Totally. And because our society is centered around this concept, when we're in our journey, when we're on the plant medicine, when we're truly connected to those we love, we have that feeling. But then we go out into the real world and we've created a whole society that is adversely against it. Yeah. And we need yeah. to change it.
1: And we wonder why our children are suffering with anxiety, depression, and racist suicide at <sighs> the highest levels they've ever been. You know, and I feel like they're the canaries in the coal mine. They, they know they can feel that, wait, this energy, this 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 energy that we're, you know, experiencing doesn't match the story that you're telling me. There's a disconnect here, right? The words and the actions aren't matching. And they know it. They can feel it. And they can't put words to it. They can't because they haven't figured it out themselves. They haven't understood it themselves. And so they're looking to adults, parents, teachers, you know, community members to help them Really understand this disconnect that they're feeling and experiencing—the words and the actions don't match. Help me out here because I'm feeling completely lost. And um, and I'm not shocked. I'm not shocked that kids are feeling as disconnected as they are because we're saying one thing but we're doing another, right? Where our lo- our actions and words are not aligned, and kids and teens can feel it. They can see it, but they can't quite. Um, explain it or put their finger on it. They just know that something is not aligned. Something is amiss. And then, of course, they're overwhelmed and anxious and depressed and, you know, all the things. Like, of, of course, it's a, it's a recipe for disaster. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Well, I'm so yeah. excited. I'm, I'm actually signed up for your class.
1: Oh, perfect.
0: So, <clears throat> pardon me. I just got something down my throat wrong.
1: Oh no problem, no problem. I totally understand. No but, problem, uh, take all the time you need.
0: Yeah, I'm really excited to see and experience your course because I do think this is the the opportunity for us as adults to experience this <coughs> and then uh, be the example.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Model it. We have to model it for our kids, for our teens, for our youth, and even you know within our workplaces. Right? We can give each other and give give ourselves but also give each other permission to walk this path and to be curious, but also be (laughs) compassionate. You know, you can't have curiosity without compassion um, because sometimes these journeys and these experiences take us down some dark roads and and you need support, you need compassion, you need kindness in order to help you walk through the other end, you know? And so it, it is a very exciting time on many levels um, to be able to be doing this work and sharing it with others because, like I said before, you know, it wasn't modeled for me. I had to learn from scratch, literally from scratch, um, because I was suffering. It was from a place of crisis and a place of suffering. Um, and I, you know, as much as I understand that, that's often the case for folks. It doesn't have to be that way. You know, you can learn these tools and, and skills so that, you know, maybe when crisis does hit where there is a catastrophe, you've already got those tools in your toolbox, yeah. right? You've got some, or you've got people you can call on, or it's been modeled for you, right? In some capacity, like we, we used to have shamanic healers in every community. And mm-hmm. when the initiation, you know, was taking place for, for the youth, usually the teens, um, depending on the community, they had an elder or a leader that they could go to right? And help them walk that journey, help them walk that path of initiation. We don't have those leaders anymore to the same capacity in our communities. And so that's all I see it as. It's just, it's, it's, a, it's a form of leadership and a form of, of mentorship and modeling that we haven't seen in communities for a very, very long time.
0: <laughs> well, I'm grateful you're one of those leaders in our community now.
1: Oh, thank you, thank you. And, yeah, it's beautiful uh, work. Yeah,
0: I'm excited to see where it goes and how things continue to improve. So,
1: yes, yeah, me too, me too. Is much, you know, I want to say it, doom and gloom, but there can there can be a lot of messy, uncomfortable um, things that are kind of crumbling and falling apart. I am very very hopeful about the future for our kids.
0: So, those that are listening to this podcast, someone's like, "Wow, this is amazing." How do I get a hold of her? How do I get her to come and meet with my kids or, you know, do, do, a, do a group class? What's the best way to get in contact with you?
1: Yeah, so they can follow me on Instagram. I'm pretty active on Instagram present. And then underscore possibilities is my my label or logo on, on Instagram. I also have a pretty active website that I keep both tabs on. I'm always adding events and programs on the website, and that's www.presence.com possibilities.ca and then they can always just shoot me a text if they want to learn more or they want to inquire about some programs. Um, my cell is 403-542-1978 and I always welcome you know comments, questions, feedback, inquiry, engagement, just hearing from other community members is great. So yeah there's a few ways that they can they can reach out and find me and I've always got Um, different kids programs and workshops not just for children but adults as well Mm -hmm. Um, classes happening in my home i have a home retreat space in doing actually yeah yeah so i have a couple um, in february i have a couple teachers convention kids camps coming up and then we've got some more reiki training coming up for kids and then i've got some adults uh, mindfulness and yoga classes and things coming up so the best way is to either follow me on Instagram or check out my website for my upcoming classes and programs Alright
0: well I'll put all the links in the description of the podcast Awesome and, uh, yeah, Thank you so much for taking the time for this to share this with us
1: Yeah I really appreciate your time and energy Jared it was so great to connect with you
0: And I'm excited to see, uh, see you at the wellness retreat
1: Yes me too it'll be great to connect in person right.
0: Well thank you so much
1: Thank you, Jared. Have a great day.